2: Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Deeney.
1: This is Kevin Phillips.
0: This is Jürgen Club and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter.
1: Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members. And get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, dot com forward slash Graham Hunter, and we'll bring you joy. It's been a long standing ambition of mine, to unite the two world superpowers of football, Scotland and Uruguay. Same um, population base and really very nearly the same number of World Cups won. And therefore, when Scotland and Uruguay came together, it had to be me uh, and Martin Gregg in the background, it has to be said, and Gustavo Poyet. Um, the ugly part of it was his ongoing feud with Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes on the subject of white men can jump. And because of his basketball background and the background of his father, double Olympian for Uruguay at basketball, Gustavo Poet was able to, for example, explain exactly why he jumped so high for Zaragoza and Chelsea and Spurs, and while goalkeepers always launched the ball at him. The Copa America 1995, and remember, this is a Copa America summer, was perhaps the second greatest moment in Uruguay's history after the Maracanazo, when... In 1950, Uruguay, or was it Scotland, uh, beat Brazil in the World Cup final 1-0 at the Maracanã. But to come forward to the Copa America, their version of the European Championships, and win against world champions Brazil in Montevideo. Well, if you're listening, Gus will take up the rest of the story. And do you remember Paris in 1995? Do you remember Arsenal, Seaman, Keown, Naim? Yes, Naim, from the halfway line. How did that goal go in and could any of his teammates from Zaragoza reproduce it a couple of days later when they sobered up back in Zaragoza? The answers to all of these and many, many other questions are in one of the greatest big interviews we've ever done with the mighty Gustavo Poet. Welcome, Gus, Thank Gustavo. You. Before I even go to the mechanics yeah. of a game, and before we even try to explain to English speakers what llegada means, because <laughs> you had llegada. Yes, yeah, true. And I'm very glad that you arrived here today. I want to touch on the fact that you, your country, your compatriots, do have something special, that it is not a fluke that a country so small in population can not only produce consistently... <laughs> really special international teams but when you take a Uruguayan of nearly any quality from good up to great and put them in a team special things happen you're a Montevideo
2: yeah
1: them well explain it to me what's going on I, I think we we need to
2: start from something that only a few people knows all over the world and uh, funny enough I've I done a presentation on my uh, FA course here on the pro license uh, about us. We got an organization in Uruguay. Uruguay is very small. Everybody knows that. We are only three and a half million. But we got an organization called ONFI, which is a organization of uh, football for kids, which uh, they play from the age the five to 12 all over the country. They are all registered in one organization. Okay? In every single neighborhood, there is a team of and the five and the six and the seven and the eight and the nine and the ten and the ten. Yeah? And they compete in areas and then they compete in the cities and then they compete against other cities all over the country. Okay? Now we've been trying to control that because it becomes at very early ages madness. I mean <laughs> pressure. You have to win. Which is not right for a kid of seven or eight. And I understand that and I totally agree that that is not right but we do compete and we do compete on the basis of uh, things that maybe nowadays uh, it would be crazy to say to a kid, like my father said to me when I was nine I was playing a game against the Argentinians and he said, uh, here in Uruguay we don't lose against the Argentinians and he meant it he said, uh, he completed the sentence saying you can go and sleep in your uncle's house today if you lose against the Argentinians (laughs) now somehow you win that game call it whatever <laughs> call it you were better and you're lucky and you're better and you win but you, you already start thinking everything I've done before the game my contract is in the drawer finish my, uh, whatever it is that you can think my ego my uh, appearance is gone it's, it's very rare to find a Uruguayan player which is looking too much about himself I don't know if you find one you know, like uh, it has to have this hairstyle or this cut or this tattoo and show this um, car. We are not that kind of people. I'm talking about the majority. can be one. We are more the ones that we just go, want to go to the top, sign a good contract. Like I said, put it there, sideways, and now defend your team to the maximum possible. Sometimes we pass that line as well. That's why you are right in saying that one Uruguayan, whatever level he is in your team, will always give you something extra. He will always try to give to that club, which is part of his life, something that maybe others don't understand like that football.
1: Do you think that um, you can teach that in other countries where it's been lost? Can you reintroduce it? Because it feels to me that that is a precious commodity that because of uh, kids maybe having a little bit more wealth or being spoiled or televisions or computers or social media, whatever it is. It feels to me that once that's gone, it's, it, in a culture, it's, it's gone forever.
2: Well, I, I think because uh, another thing that we always say in Uruguay, in Uruguay things happen always 20 years later, or 10 years later. So we're still a little bit behind on all that, which means that you can still go into Uruguay and find in that player that even if he's no the best assumption is going to incredibly give you something different to the rest. Because I'm seeing a week in, week out now with the with players in Uruguay that they're living at the age of 19, 20, going to another country and becoming very important. The Rascaeta, he went to Crusader in Brazil, now he's going to Flamengo. It, it looks like it, everybody wants to buy him because he's bringing something different. And it's a small, technically good, it's a number 10, but still having the attitude of it's like, uh, I don't know how to explain. It's like if, if we are losing, we are better. Because it hurts so much. It's a stimulus. Yes, it's like, n- now I'm losing. No, no, this is impossible. I cannot accept this. And then you go to another level. Sometimes we even say, Well, we don't start the game like that? And I think when the national team is together, we do. Because we are like, together. Now, sometimes in clubs you get used to the weak no, know, the nice life, uh, your teammates. And, and then you start the game, naturally. But then something happens, and you can see the goal, in it like uh, the Uruguayan chip is coming. and
1: Somebody talks to you, somebody leaves a boot so, in your ankle, yeah. you go
2: 1-0 down, and then... Bang! bang. It's incredible. And, and you can see everywhere. If you see the reaction of those players... You know, I'm, I see, you see, you name names. Suarez is very well known, but Godin... It, you look in a game of Atletico Madrid and they're, they're losing or they're nil-nil and it's a corner. And you know that he's going to head it, And I think it, the position knows as well. So stop him. And somehow he gets between three and he it and uh, he get it. He gets it. And those situations are the ones that, that why we, when we get to that level, I hope Jimenez follows the steps of Godin and, and the Suarez and the Cavani and the you know, Forland, who will say that Diego Forland, after his passing in Man United will be golden boot in Europe and the best player of the World Cup in 2010. All those things made us special. I agree with you that I hope that this lasts and not this new technology, society and um, whatever is coming. Softness. Yeah, but I think I think the words of that and I, uh, without getting into any politics, um It's like somebody else is trying to decide which kind of life we have to live. Mm -hmm. And they don't let us live the life that we like or we want. That is, we are no, I don't think Uruguay goes into the life of anybody else. We don't get involved in anything internationally because we are so small, we cannot do it. But it looks like people want to get there and tell us what is right and what is wrong. What we have to do and what we don't have to do. And you start asking questions yourself. And the kids, they grow up thinking about this in a different way than we saying, why? Yeah. Why? Me? Why? I, uh, I understand the point, why they want to do things differently, but I would like them to understand why we are different. And that way they brings us together difference you know if it was all the same if we're gonna live the same life you're gonna be boring it's very boring you know we know what is gonna be your answer so you don't ask me any question so we know he's gonna say the same and I think the, the real thing is that we are different and you can mix those things to get the best of a football team
1: well will there be a, a slight jump aside because okay. I want to come back to your dad um was there room in Uruguay to see Jimenez Crying his eyes out during the end of the France game in the World Cup? Or would that be regarded as wrong or soft or not the Uruguayan culture? Because in the World Cup, when the game is gone and he's playing at the back and there's five, four, five minutes left, he's already broken because the worst thing that can happen with Cavani out injured is that France have won and Uruguay are going out. And it it was an iconic moment. And iconic moments like that where sports people, men or women at the elite level, betray their true feelings. Are, are beautiful and, and by definition they're true but is there is there room in Uruguayan sports culture to allow a man to look like that? I, I, I think we know uh, that he's probably
2: feeling maybe I lost my chance I don't know if it's going to happen again I don't know if I'm going to play another World Cup this was my World Cup and we were there competing with the champion no, at the end so uh, he gives everything you know, to a point that is so exhausted that when he finishes and he's out, he cannot contain the emotions. And nothing is natural. I think I think it defines us. It's another image that I don't know if you, if you see it, which is incredible. Is um, I think it's uh, Rodriguez. Uh, it's in it's in a qualification um, um, for the World Cup. I think it's the the game that you play the playoff. Yeah. The fifth of South America. I think we play. Central America, and um, you get a concussion, a really bad concussion, and he's coming out. But slowly, he starts recovering. And the doctors already made the decision to change him. And he goes crazy. And there's no way you can get him out of the pitch. He starts pushing the doctor, <laughs> he starts pushing him back, he's telling the coach, no, I'm playing. Because we think that um, if, if we give you that little advantage, yeah, to that left back who is on the bench, and he's coming on, and he does better than me. I'm not going to the workout. I'm not giving you nothing. You need to take him out, you know, like a prison, to get out of the pitch. Uh, and it was wrong because maybe he had a concussion. Yeah. You know how dangerous they are. But at the end of the day, he was showing that even when we are not perfectly right, we still wanted to be on the pitch and to be, you know, in a position where we
1: cannot lose it. Because if we lose it, we lose part of our life. Did you have an advantage that you grew up with that teaching that culture in in soccer? But you you, you had an Olympian father.
2: Yeah, you my know, father he was player.
1: elite, elite. I tell you, nineteen sixty Olympics, right? Yeah, he was better than me. Uh, I
2: think that uh, until I didn't, I, I would say until I didn't win the Copa America '95, or until I didn't play regularly at Chelsea and Spurs people never put me up on a level with my father it was impossible because he was always hey, your father played seven, I don't know how many World Cups, two Olympian games he won five uh, you know, championships in a row in, in Uruguay with Tabaré and a team from basketball and there so he was, really, was captain of the national team so he was really someone special uh, but the funny part is that my, my father played basketball by accident because he loved football, he wanted to be a football player and one day, with a few friends, they went past outside this basketball court, and they decided to have a go. And uh, they liked it, and they started playing a little bit more. And then my father was big, and then Uruguayan big, proper boom, yeah, strong. And he became the player, no, the representative of what Uruguay is, and obviously it was at that time, you know, going in Olympic games, playing against the Russians with a Russian guy was uh, two meters, 13, and my father was 195 and 196, the tallest in And he was marking this huge uh, player and he had to look and find a way to stop it To compete. But that's us. We have to find a way. I know that we always look at the bad side. I understand that, the, the bad tackle, the, whatever it happens. But the, the idea is that we cannot accept defeat because you are better than me. We cannot accept defeat because you are bigger than me. We cannot accept defeat because you're quicker than me. So I need to find a way. So you're playing against a fast player. Okay, first you go tight and you talk to your teammate, cover me. Because I want you to go tight. You don't go and play your own game. No, you help each other. You're looking for each other. Or you give him two or three meters because if it's going to turn. So you manage whatever situation is, physically, mentally, technically, the best way you find a way to... Solutions. Comp- solutions. And we find it naturally, and we find it sometimes individually, which means without the help of the coach
1: and with our teammates, with our little groups inside the pitch. So when I talk often about, in my opinion, the difference between football and Spain, I I have not lived Uruguay. I talk about seeing a lot of devolved intelligence on the pitch in Spain compared to England, where often I see regimented, coach-driven solutions and players don't naturally look for solutions yes. and are witty and clever. Totally. That, that intelligence on the pitch, for whatever reason, is the, is the concept you're talking about. I go, no doubt, because
2: from early ages, you, you go to places at the age of 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, that you go to places where, oof, it's going to be difficult today. So what, it's like you yourself like, what am I going to do today in this environment or in this pitch or or against that guy, which is very good, and you already, it's incredible what I'm saying, but it's true, we're already thinking about how we're going to win that game. And um, we talk, you know, and we, and we say to, for example, the best player, we need you today. We need you today. We need you more than ever because they're very good. And, and the guy already starts thinking, okay, I'm a special. You know, and I start producing in important games. Or the opposite, you go to the goalkeeper and you say, today, if you don't come out, they want to cross fifty-five times. We need you, and it's incredible because it is in between. Probably the coach already told him, but I think sometimes for the player, a teammate giving you that um, responsibility, but at the same time understanding that you can do it, that confidence it brings players a little bit to another level, and that's why sometimes when nobody counts of us,
1: and you are why, we appear from somewhere and we do something special. You said in that little getting yourself mentally prepared, you said that pitch. What kind of surfaces did you play oh. on? Beautiful grass, like no. Wembley, the whole... No. No? No. You
2: don't imagine. I, I was. Uh, it was even a moment that I, it was... You know, when you start playing at a better level, that to show goals to people from my time in Uruguay, it was like, say, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Look at the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was no grass in there. It was... Uh, yes. And uh, that, that, for example, me, that... Uh, I was slow. I was a slow player, no, in terms of s- speed. So mm, because of that, naturally, I I understood that I needed to do things quicker, mentally. Mm. Because if no, if I will wait, stop the ball, look, too late. Five minutes, it's gone. So I needed to be. I needed to be ready. I needed to be ready to hit one touch with any part of the. The food, the right food, left food, the inside, outside. So I improved technically.
1: What do you find out about your mind? Not simply in terms of football, but if you go on a little journey into your mind saying, help me, save me from the fact that my lungs and my legs won't make me elite. You find a lot about your personality and, and the mind is an underused muscle yeah. for most people. What did you find out about yourself?
2: Well, I, I suffered a lot. I was a um, few times nearly out of football, You know, uh, I, I went to France, my idea was to go to Nice, I couldn't get there for a foreign place, at that time it was only two foreigners, uh, so I finished in a second division team, Grenoble, in the middle of the mm. Alps. Mm. Uh, I didn't play well, I didn't adapt well, it was difficult for me coming from Uruguay, even to the pitches, mm. so fast, so quick. We were playing Saturday night,
1: it was always a little bit wet, and I'm thinking, (laughs) what happened here? It was green and fast, and the ball would skid. and all the things you timed yourself to understand
2: were gone. gone. And uh, the second year, the president wanted everybody out, and they wanted me out, and I was a Uruguayan, I'm saying, I'm not leaving, I'm staying here, I'm my contract, and then I had to leave at the end, and I was like six, seven months without playing football at the age of 21, 22. And you're thinking, I. So then I was a little bit lucky that you need all the time. You need, if you don't have luck, you know, the right moment at the right time. They took me to Zaragoza, a coach from Uruguay, with a player who was a star, Uruguayan Suarez. And I started learning other things, like you're saying, working on my brain. Okay, I cannot play a front in here because I was playing a front when I was young. I need to play backwards. I need to improve my fitness. I need to start understanding to play, you know, looking forward, I was playing back to goal, uh, arriving, we're going to talk about llegada, it, uh, the timing, but the timing I had it because of my my style of playing, but so many things that took me a year. And at the end of that year, I scored two goals in a playoff to go down, and kind of people say, oh, okay, well, this guy maybe, you know, it's cheap, let's keep him. And I started growing up as a I had a role in that Zaragoza. I had a, 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 a position on the pitch that I needed to do certain things. You know, For example, like, uh, it's nice to me to hear you know, teammates from that time saying, when we have a goal kick, we knew that that goal will go to gas and he will jump and kill himself to flick it. And he will flick it. Okay. So the other ones, they knew he would win eh, and they will run behind, blah, 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 blah. And I had a role, the same brother, arriving late, scoring more than 10 goals per season without taking penalties and blah, blah, blah. So you got a role inside your team.
1: But before we go, Mario, yeah. before we go to Roma Reda and Zaragoza, for people in this country, you maybe could compare to Leeds. They need to be up, they need to yeah. be in the Primera, both of them. I need to hold you back to exactly that, the jump. Was it natural that you and your dad and, I don't know, the rest yeah. of the family had the jump? Yeah. Did you, you're tall, but... Tall men don't always jump well because if you're tall, no, no, but, you don't but, have to learn.
2: I, I, I know where you're coming from, and I tell
1: you exactly why.
2: Basketball is basketball. I played basketball when I was young, and that's the, I don't know how you call it in English, the double rhythm, double. Uh, we call it one, two, three. You know, like you do one, two, ba. That, that so, in basketball where you had those two steps before putting the ball next to the, to the basket. Uh, that's the same kind of. Action that you need to do to jump in a certain when you jump with one leg. No, obviously that's a timing thing. That's
1: because we have um, listeners in China and in the States and Mm. in South America and in South Africa. But the majority will be in Britain and Ireland. And and basketball is known here, but it's not so big. So describe the one, two, three leap. Well, it's. it's, What uh, you mean? I I think when when you start playing basketball, okay,
2: first thing you do, you try to play with the ball, no basket. to, to, to bounce dribble. it and to dribble and to cover it and plenty of things, but as soon as you start doing something in front of the basket it's not just to throw from 10 metres, no, it's about an action that you're running into the basket without opposition yeah, and there is a moment that you can hold the ball in your hand and, and and make two steps, you know one, two, and jump with the knee that you made the first step a little bit high, so just place it, it's a it's a um, in Spanish, it's doble ritmo, so it would be d- double rhythm. It's like a double, no? One, two, and add. I think we call it the layup in I The think layup in English. but You have to make two steps. Eh? Yeah, it's you to One, two, high. So you made a step with your right when you're gonna jump with your left, okay? It's more natural when you're a right footed to jump with your left. Uh, and, and that's something to really go the highest you can be. It's a little bit of an impulse to go high. You know, and, and to be honest, Luckily, I didn't have too many, but the five or six goals I conceded from corners, I remember.
1: Mm. They hurt.
2: Still hurting. Yeah, because it was my position, my decision, my timing. Were you out- jumped? Well, for example, one uh, when I was a jump in, in Paraguay with the national team, the, my, my teammates asked me to mark Ayala. They said, "You have to mark him, Ruben Ayala, uh, the El raton, the, the central c- defender. The one is a jump." really high and i was marking him and no that's the Argentinian one yeah uh this is Paraguay and and then when i went to jump it was all over me it was it was gone it was i couldn't jump and he made an incredible head and we lost one nil and he's there that's Uruguay (laughs) he's still there
0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: I want to drag you then a little bit sideways because when all of this was conditioning you, and you've already mentioned this event, one of the things that should be the sweetest in your career... I'm not saying it's bitter, but, you know, the Maracanazo yeah. is Uruguay doing all the Uruguayan things against Brazil in 1950 mm-hmm. at the Maracaná and winning the World Cup final. So, to repeat that in '95 against a Brazil who I think were reigning world champions from the USA in ninety four the year before for me you 're in that team, you win it, you do it in front of you. It, it finishes Montevideo. you know you could practically see your home from the stadium but it, it wasn 't a beautiful experience for you, if I understand correctly, because you had to alter everything you did and wanted to do because there was a there was a for good or bad, there was a closed mind from the coach about how Uruguay played then. And it was a, it, it wasn't a completely satisfactory winning the Copa America. I had, look. I I'm
2: so pleased that we won it because the pressure was incredible. I mean, uh, as a, as a, an information to the people that are listening, uh, the Copa America, Euro in South America, it was playing until 1970 uh, something, a home and away, like uh, qualifications until the final. And in 78 or... No, 80-something, they started playing in one country, like the European Cup. Uh, in the, champ, the European Champions. Championships. Um, and that, 95, it was the first time they was playing in Uruguay. Now, incredibly, Uruguay, Uruguay until then never, ever lost a game of Copa America at home. Either won or drew. And now we had to play the whole Copa America at home so it was not only a matter of winning it not losing a game because your name is going to be there in the whole century Uruguay never lost at home in the Copa America so I remember going to the third game where the manager made four or five changes because we were qualified already to the to the last eight and and the players that were playing were thinking you know saying thank you now we're playing we didn't play and we go not losing it's on me it's now. on me now <laughs> Luckily we didn't, we drew that game um, I only enjoy it. And going back to the question I, I only enjoyed the semi-final against Colombia Because I play a little bit further up On the pitch uh, What I was used in, uh, in Zaragoza at that time It was a player With the freedom uh, in a team That was controlling games To go and, uh, and attack the box Most of the time Okay, I was a very offensive midfielder, we can call it. And I went to Uruguay because the manager that, uh, unfortunately, is not with us anymore, uh, Eton Nunez, it, he, he went to Zaragoza to convince me to go and play in a three-in-the-middle, defensive-minded. That's it, you know? And I was a little bit, you know, talking to him, saying, I, I don't know if I can do it. And he was so convinced. Don't know if I can do it or don't know if I want to do it. Same thing or different I, I, I th- things? I think it was a can because I I don't think I was a player that was able to to really go into the piece thinking, OK, I'm going to defend today. You were, ta- were taking away from me... Uh, My youth, when I was a number nine, or my career as a football player, which I was an offensive midfielder arriving in the box. So uh, I I didn't have too many chances during the Copa America to get into the box, like we want to talk later on, Uh, to arrive late, to have that timing. And that game against Colombia was special because Fonseca, one of the strikers, was injured. And the manager decided to put another midfielder behind me and put me a little bit higher with Francesco Lee and leave uh, the striker up front. So I had a little bit of freedom. I had a little bit of participation. I was getting in the box. I got involved in the second goal. I was inside the box, and the ball went over me in the first goal. So I was where I wanted to be. Saying that, moment of the Copa America is uh, final is finished. We are 1-1 against Brazil. We're going to penalties. We are at home. And uh, the assistant manager comes to me and looks at me and says, you are the sixth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that moment you go alright 6 not bad you know that I was not penalty taker I had to be honest I'm honest I was not the kind of player that would be in a position where if you give me 10 I would say yeah I score 8 no because it was not my quality it's people that got the quality to be penalty takers and people that they cannot take penalty it was not afraid I took with the national team in Uruguay, in the young in a tournament in Qatar I took in River in my country I took a a few penalty shootouts but I was no a natural penalty day. now you know what's happened: you know? goal 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 and when they started
1: scoring you're thinking oh it's going to come to me Francescoli Roberto Carlos Bengo Achea Zinho Herrera Tulio misses that's the moment of my life <laughs> <laughs> listen sorry because Tulio Tulio's a regular yeah. listener listen man I'm sorry I warned you not to listen to this episode okay
2: is uh, oh, I was I tell you when uh, then Gutierrez scored the fourth, uh, Dunga scored for Brazil, and then uh, Manteca Martinez, which was a penalty taker. Uh, I, I always say that I, I think I was more nervous than Martinez who was taking the penalty. <laughs> <laughs> he was used to take penalties. I was in the middle of the party thinking, please don't, you know, because also imagine that he was taking the penalty to win. But then if it was my turn at the end. In Brazil, he scored the six. I'm taking the penalty not to lose. Not to lose. Which is totally different, okay? Uh, and when he scored, it was. Uh, what a moment. Like you say, Copa America at home. Yes, I supported my teams like, you know, Zaragoza, Chelsea, Spurs, uh, Grenoble, River in Uruguay, my team. When you are in, you, you really support that team. But, but when it's your country involved other things, you know? I, I got friends who, they, they told me later on, no, you know, they tell you, you know how nice it was for me to go to work next day? You know, my friend won the Copa America yesterday. And we are all celebrating because, my, and they were feeling really proud. When it's family and friends, it's is something really special. It was, uh, it was incredible. Because it's a
1: gift being given to you to make them feel like that.
2: I tell you, we, we don't know how lucky we are. And, and you don't realize sometimes, unfortunately, until you win, you win things. Mm-hmm. It happened to me in Zaragoza, luckily, and at Chelsea, but uh, in Uruguay as well. People, when they. I'm making in Uruguay, clearly, no? a country that we always suffer. That night, there were no health problems, there were no financial problems, there were no work issues, there were no family problems. Everything is gone. The only thing is that uh, there is. People celebrating in the streets, going mad, being Uruguayans, you know, feeling what we feel when we are in there. And that makes football something very special. That sometimes we don't give the the special treatment because it brings people together. And that celebration in Uruguay, I can tell you, was spectacular.
1: Gus, you know, I did a little introduction to you when we sat down here in, in Kensington. And I said to you, the reason this podcast exists is the things that you're talking about. So football sometimes is grubby, or people make mistakes, or they cheat, or they lie. But it's beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful human inventions ever. Like art, like theatre, like dance. And it, it gives you the capacity to make people float on a cloud. It gives a passion for your entire life. It gives you something you want to pass on to your kids. And we get caught up in the rubbish, and I'm sad to say that our profession gets mixed up about what football is for it's not there to beat with a stick mm-hmm. you try to correct it yeah. you point out when people have done badly um, but it's one of the most glorious inventions that the human race has ever come up with uh,
2: and, and and the recognition of what you've done you say something about Jimenez today one the most embarrassing moments of my career uh, I would call it like that because every time I see it, I feel embarrassed, you know, like embarrassed. <laughs> it's when we won the Cowinies Cup with Zaragoza in Paris, uh, there is an image of me on television crying bad, bad, yeah. And you don't imagine how many people in Zaragoza told me after, you made that, you know, you made me cry because you were crying on television. You're going to do that now as well. You're going to pass that on now. But, but it's like that because that, that, that image of me, when I see myself, I think, I look at me. Like, you know, I kind of look at me. <laughs> but when you meet that, that woman that was uh, born in Zaragoza, waiting all her life to win a European competition, and he win and he's so happy, and then this guy is crying. Boof, he breaks down. And it happened to me a few times. And then you start realizing, like you said before, how lucky we are to be in that moment and participating of that. And and that makes me go back to Zaragoza and have those moments with people that they are older than me and they're still making you feel someone special because you give them something that they cannot buy. You cannot buy a cabinet Cup. Okay, I'm gonna buy this one to fill it. It happened for you or it doesn't. You are a supporter of that thing that your life and maybe you will never feel it. But the day it gets, is unique. And that that made us special. We're still having a group, by the way. WhatsApp the 25 players of that team that we still in contact, and we still giving you know some stick when somebody does something good or bad. and (laughs) The
1: happy birthday. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa! Sorry, guys. Like you've just gone from. Football is religion. Football yes. is passion. Or football is a great way to give your mate's stick 25 years later. because
2: That's such a part of we, football. We love, yeah, we love each other. We love each other because we, we were lucky to be <laughs> together. And uh, when somebody does something great, we all feel for him. And when somebody have a little issue, like, for example, I had in Bordeaux, they're all there. you know to give you. you. Advice. Yeah, to give you advice, to tell you that, uh, to, to back you up. And, and it's incredible because we were, you know... Uh, Juan Schneider is in Japan. Um, Belman is in a uh, uh, goalkeeper coach of a uh, goalkeeper that he was with us a uh, goalkeeper coach of Cajinia and Cruz Azul the one who was at Rangers. And the other ones are in Spain. Uh, Fernando Caceres is in Argentina and Dario Franco as well. And we are all over the place. But we're still connected because we have that date. Yeah? 10th of May, 1995 in Paris. And that it will be there forever. It will never change. That date is our date, you know. How did Real Zaragoza?
1: I don't know. Find itself in Paris against the mighty Arsenal.
2: We, we didn't. We didn't prepare ourselves for that. We played the first game, Gloria Bistrita in Romania, wherever it was, and we we're can, thinking, okay, it's Europe. You got some goals there, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. And uh, and then we go through, and then you're thinking, okay, and then when it came to you know, quarter-finals... We realized that we were at the highest level because when we play away in Holland, Afe, you know, the it cup. was amazing there. Yeah. and we play an outstanding game and we lost one 0 Larson and Larson. Larson.
1: Yeah.
2: And then you realize, okay, if we turn this around, who knows? And then Chelsea, okay, not Chelsea Abramovich, but Chelsea with the Glenn Mike Mighty Yeah, yes, Convento, yeah. And uh, and then yes, we got there. Uh, like any final, you think about winning. You know that you're playing against the current champions because Arsenal was uh, the champions the year before. And uh, but we play the we play our game. The Arsenal try to stop us from playing our game for ten minutes, fifteen minutes. They kick us and they foul us and they. they can, did
1: can I cheat? Because yeah. quite recently we had an interview with a Former Everton and Sunderland midfielder, Don Hutchison. And he gave us one of the most <clears throat> pungent descriptions of Martin Keon I've ever heard in my life. When you talk about Arsenal kicking and, and punching and whatever, um, the team was Seaman, Dixon, Winterburn, Keon, Adams, Stefan Schwartz, Ray Parler, Ian Wright, John Hartson, Paul Merson, Andy Linnigan. Hartson booked in two minutes. Yes, um, terrible tackle on Naeem. It was a bad Ex-spers, one. Spurs,
2: no? Probably was something there.
1: <laughs> Did, didn't really seem to stop Naeem in any way. Um, talk about the, the physical side of that first part of the game as Arsenal tried to say, are you up for this? Well, was, was Keon involved? What?
2: Yes, well, it, was, it was incredible. It was an action. And, and I remember when I was involved, I, I went to jump and these two Arsenal players, I think it's Keon and Parlo, they come in both... You know when you jump Sandwich. To, to win a ball and to clash. And they pull out in the last second, and they hit each other, and one got a cut. I mean, it's there. It's in the, in the, in the highlights of the game, because the, the first four or five actions is, uh, is that. Um, we didn't think about that, funny enough, before the game. We were so convinced in our game that we went in to play, and then one, and then two, and then boom, and then jump. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Snyder fighting with Adams. Uh, Snyder said so many times. He tried everything to get Adams out of the game. Him, and he couldn't. he go, Tony Adams <laughs> got Snyder out of the game. <laughs> because he kept clashing, you know, like it was n- no pain. Uh, but we were we were a special group. We were, uh, we were good personalities. We had the character. We had the... We had something special in there. You know, it was experienced players as well. So it wasn't easy. I think, I think if, if it's a, a young team, maybe you, you get away. Yeah? You finish. You lose that game. We, we, we were able to cope with those 15-20 minutes. And then we relaxed. It. We played very well the second half. I think we didn't deserve to go into the extra time. But football,
1: finals. Little things attract me. Can you remember? It's part de Prance. There are 42,000 people there. The Arsenal fans are very noisy. Could you hear the Zaragoza fans? Well, the, the,
2: especially in the beginning, because for us it was a, the only final, the only and only one, <laughs> so they were very excited. Um, I, I think it was a moment that the Arsenal fans came out is when they scored the equalizer. At that moment, Arsenal thought, "Okay, here we're gonna win the game." Uh, then, in extra time, uh, the image that I got before Nayim goal is our fans celebrating, c- celebrating the one-one that we go to penalties. But it's only our fans singing, the Zaragoza fans, you know, thinking, okay, we got you here, now we got your penalty. Because it's minute 120. Yeah, no, listen, it's, it's incredible. The goal is. It's, it's, it's not going to be nothing like that one. It's not going to repeat. I think the part the Prince should put something behind that goal. They say Nayim <laughs> scored a goal in here in 119, 50 seconds from the halfway line. And they don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yes, it's. I, I, I was probably taking a penalty I don't even know
1: no, You hadn't talked about The penalty order
2: Well we, we had a few The problem is that uh, uh, For example uh, um, Pardesa would have taken one Pardesa would have taken But Paqueti Who took in the final Copa Rey The year before The fifth It was out Of the pitch So you were thinking Okay somebody going to have to step up You know uh, I would say Santiago with take one Najin will take one We made a change Just some 20 seconds before the goal That it changed completely The action Incredible that Heli went in to have a, a, a penalty because it's incredible football. People doesn't understand the things that can happen in a game. Naim was playing the left in the, at the end of the game, but because we're gonna go to penalties, the manager decides to put Heli in the 118th Heli comes on, Healy. yeah. So Heli has to go to the left, which means that Naim has to come to the right, and then it's a the goal kick. And I try to flick it, and I kick the ball and give it to Naeem's chest. Sorry. And it goes, bam. So it drops.
1: It's in the air. It should be penalty. As you can see and hear your fans, it's dropping onto Naeem's chest. Just five, maybe six, seven metres past halfway line. Into Arsenal's half. Yeah, into Arsenal's half. And he's now on the
2: right of the Right side, five as well, six metres from the touchline. Gosh free time. Freeze time. Me, Freeze time, I, me, I, where are yeah, you? Trying, what are you thinking? Me, when he, when he it, I was just coming out of the jump because I jumped with someone in the middle of the park and the ball went past and Adams headed out. So I'm turning to see what Naeem is going to do. Simple. He got the ball control in front of him, just bouncing. And when he hit it, um, we tried to play. It, it like everything, it's incredible, but it's true. It's like everything stop. You only see the ball fly. And the ball flies, and you see him and go backwards. You know, I don't know how it is. It's a second, two seconds, I don't know. But it looks forever, because you want the ball to go in, and you don't want Simon to save it, but you don't know. And when he touches in the net, no, 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 I, I cannot, no, there is no explanation, no, it's impossible. Uh, you will never see a goal celebrated so badly. Everybody run anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because normally you are not together or... I don't know, you have something... No, it's terrible. The, the coach gets into the pitch. I got a cramp. The other one, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's crazy because it's unexpected. Um, just for people to know, which is nice. Two days later, we go to La Romareda, stadium in Zaragoza. We get a ball each. We put ourselves in the same position. But in La Romareda, not the Parade Prince. Nobody there. We just bounce the ball and try to hit Naeem's thing. We probably hit it 50. I can tell you, no one went that close to the crossbar in the second post and the way that Naeem hit it. Yeah, there were a few goals. They bouncing before or bouncing just in or bending a little bit. We missed the goal by 20 meters. But no one from 50 shots
1: without pressure, went in at that
2: moment. <laughs> and that when you want to talk about
1: football. But like, how long did it take the effects of the alcohol to wear off after you won the cup? Maybe that impossible to repeat it. Was, <laughs> <the cup. laughs> was anybody well,
2: sober? Listen, it was celebration as well. We didn't have any prepared, anything prepared. Manager didn't want that because he thought, if we have something prepared and we lose, it's, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. So then we go back to the hotel. <laughs> and then hacemos? <he's> <laughs> <them or> <laughs> Room service! <laughs> no, me, if, if anyone really wants to follow us and, and, and listen to us, have five minutes and try to check. Plaza del Pilar, Zaragoza, the 11th of May. It's like uh, Garcia San Juan, the player who left the pitch for Heli. We said to everybody, I don't remember too much of the game, he said, but I do remember the celebrations in Zaragoza. Because you, you flew home. We flew home the day after. We went to the Romareda, we got changed. And we got in a bus. Unfortunately, it was not an open bus at that time. And we went into the main square in Zaragoza, which is in front of the uh, Basilica del Pilar, And Pilar. You know, I accept whatever number you want. You know, people say 100,000. People say 250,000. It doesn't matter. What I can tell you is, it was no one space in that square, in every single road going up and side and left. It was the whole city down in there we were in a balcony in the council uh, is how many people you can make happy with a game of football. Uh, Vito Fernandez the manager defined that uh, and trying to translate it to English like the biggest social movement in the history of Zaragoza. And that means something. Good no? phrase. I think because he was People was coming out of schools when we were going with the bus coming out of the houses. It was like a Cycling tour, you know, we had behind like cars motorbikes following the bus Everything would stop at the city because we were coming in
1: and is amazing. Did any of the doctors talk about the the birth boom nine months later And, and... and
2: Well, we know because that's <laughs> a true Funny enough, we had all babies the same time. <laughs> the boom, <laughs> baby boom. It was the fun, funny Funny, it was the, the final before, after the final before as well, uh, because they were all there. The the wife without the kids.
1: So this is why you stopped winning finals just to. yeah, yes, no more. Babies. Smaller families. No more I understand this. <laughs> we're kind of lucky in that um, we have supporters, sponsors called Bet Three Six Five. They've sent in two questions. I'm going to start with this one because it's going to lead me to my next question. So bet three six five one and Who is, or mm. if you want to go, who are? Who's the best player you've managed?
2: I, I, I had to pick one that even if I was not, not the main coach, the manager, uh, I see him every day and I enjoyed every second, which is Modric uh, at Spurs. At Spurs. He's capable of doing things so easy. His stability, the way the balance, the way he can go either way, the way he makes decisions to go past or to stop, the way he sees football, how open and how calm he's on the ball, how much he can run. Uh, it was really, really impressive. Every day, eh? day in, day out. Every single day he will do things in training that we say he is top. So when he went to Madrid, it was not a surprise
1: for me. Two things about that then He's not any Iesta But Few players Are described As making difficult things easy That's something that links Those two players yeah. when, you, when you To make people understand When you say Modic made things easy He made ev- I guess you mean everything Difficult things Things that other players Overcomplicate He, he, he didn't do that
2: it ended up because sometimes you will, go, you will pass the ball to Modric in a very difficult situation and he will get away because he understands the game, understands the position and he will do the right thing at the right time. When others, they will panic and block themselves or, or hurry up and lose it or whatever, make a mistake. He was so confident and calm in his ability to make the opposition go the wrong way. He's a typical guy that is in front of you he will do something that you will go one way, he will go the other. Mm. Facing you or back to you. And, and going forward or, or going backward, stopping. So he got that balance and that ability to go either way mm. at any time. Uh, I, I was really pleased when he won the best player I was, uh, I was pleased because he confirmed what I'm saying to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking in there in 2008, nine, 2008 and I'm thinking Oof, this guy is really special. Is different, he's unique. And uh, I'm pleased for him, he had a great, great year.
1: It links to um, the guy who was coached him to win the Champions League um, so often, not every time, because Ancelotti coached him one of his four uh, Champions League wins, was was Zidane. Mm-hmm. And Zidane's idol um, was Francescoli. Yes, so So I can't let this opportunity go by, because in Europe at least we didn't see so much live of Enzo we've heard a little bit about Enzo from Chris Waddle in Marseille but try to make Enzo Francisco come alive the footballer to the people who are listening but give us the what's so special well
2: just shortly I would say an incredible leader on the pitch outside the pitch he will represent the players he will defend his teammates to the end you will have a problem he will sort it out it was incredible for example me playing with him at the Copa America 95 what I like the most yeah every time I look up he was available Mm -hmm. somehow (laughs) you know you're in the middle of trouble with the ball there that you cannot get out and you look and he's free and asking for the ball and you will give it to him he will sort it out the rest. He will get a foul, he will get you out, he will make a dribble, he will score the winning goal, he will make the last pass, he will take responsibility. So it was that guy that was always there for you. Okay? It was, uh, I would say that we all will define him as a number 10, but I think it was a nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of his career, when he started playing more up front, he scored so many goals, he has so more technical ability. I think now we, we recreate ourselves with these players coming, you know, right foot is coming from the right in and bending in the second post, or left foot, Messi. He done it in the 90s, okay, Francesco he done it many, many times, he got incredible goals, scoring scoring like that, and, uh, but I, I think the, the best thing for any football player he like him, like Zidane, is how he accepted the responsibility of being that leader on the pitch. I go, no doubt. that why he impressed you the most. He was a player, that he will, he will dribble well, he will finish well, he will find him somebody. Like I said, you're always available, always take responsibility. I mean, in that Copa America, he gets a tackle in the last minute of the game, his shoulder is out. They put it back. Dislocated. They yeah. located, and he needs to come back, because if you don't finish the game on the pitch, you cannot take a penalty, I think, something like that. So he's coming into the pitch like dying, just to have those five minutes between the end of the game and the penalty shootout to get it a little bit in position and free, to take a penalty
1: I wouldn't <laughs> take it <laughs> Anybody okay. who's brave enough to, to let somebody shove their arm back into the socket Just is brave number one then to go out and think you penalty. can take a penalty
2: I mean it was uh, I hit the service as well because incredibly it was always a question mark in Uruguay you know, with the national team because he made his career in River Plate in Argentina, Europe, and River Plate Argentina, so it was always like outside. So we were always asking him more. I would tell you, I think that if you talk to a River Plate fan from that era, he would recognize more Francioli than some Uruguayans, which is really unfair and it hurts me, because I play with him. I know, you know, what he done for me and how important it was for me. So I would like people from Uruguay to really uh, understand that, you know, and and to feel the same that I was feeling when I was in that compartment.
1: Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a socio, become a paying member and get. An extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews, including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo, and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you.